Professing Christians living in willful sin hold to the belief that they can turn to the Lord whenever they're ready. They also insist that because they profess Christ, they can sin without facing any kind of judgment. What they don't realize is that the deeper they go into sin, the stronger the delusion and the more presumptuous they become. The fear of God, the very thing so greatly needed, is far, far away from this person's thinking. Sexual sin comes at a very high price. This is the second truth Steve Gallagher teaches in his series, 20 Truths That Help Me in My Battle with Porn Addiction, and the subject of our podcast today. In this episode, we'll talk about the exacting toll sexual sin takes on the lives of all those who are touched by it in the hopes that either you won't have to pay it, or if you're in it, this truth will help convince you to get the help you need to get out. I'm Jim Lewis, and this is Purity for Life. Chris Hurley is a staff member here at Pure Life who is training to be a certified biblical counselor. I know Chris well because I was his counselor in the residential program. I know the price he paid because of his sin and all the Lord has brought him through. We asked him to tell us about the high price of sin. This is one man's story of the cost of sexual sin. I used to have my own contracting business in Maine. I made a lot of money. I had a beautiful home that looked over a bay on the ocean in Maine. I had horses, trucks, cars. I had externally everything I could want. Uh, I have none of that now. My sin cost me my family, my home, my job, my position at my church, and my church family. Cost financially has been, I've been devastated and I can barely meet the needs of the bills that I've incurred through my divorce. I would say financially, it's ruined me. I hate with a vicious hatred swearing. It influenced my speech, and of course, what happened was when something would occur within the family that would cross my will. If things weren't going right, my language became abusive. So I wasn't thinking and speaking in the way that I had been prior to getting so deeply involved in computer pornography. I lost a sense of morality and I spent the last 20 years when I had supposedly come to the Lord, giving up all that time, and it was more than a couple hours a day, that I could have put myself in his word, having truth hidden in my heart, spending all that time having a relationship with God and figuring out who he was and getting close to him. I lost all that time, all the while teaching guys about how to overcome habitual sin as a Pharisee in my church. And now, unfortunately, I have all those images. I have 
everything that I looked at, I can scroll through it if I allow myself. So now I have to fight my own mind constantly to keep me in right relationship and to take every thought captive, and that's hard. That's really hard. It, it, it affects every area of your body, your life. I was so uncaring. See, that's one of the things that sexual Sid did in my family, was I became a rage-filled man. I had always been an angry man. I'd always been easily tempted to anger. But because I was so deceived, I didn't see how I was acting it out through my wife and my daughter. I literally, verbally one day, threatened my daughter. She hit me with her elbow as we were walking to the horse barn one day in a way that displayed an incredible amount of frustration and anger on her part. It was meant literally to hurt me, and she did. And I followed her into the barn, and I told her if she ever did that to me again, I would put her down, and I would show her what it meant to be hurt. There were 20 years I could have been building up a relationship with the Lord. I could have been a servant of God, true servant of God, a bond slave, and said I was enslaved to my sin. It's simply the time that I lost in sin that weighs on me at all. And I know he can redeem those years because he says he can, and I trust him in that. If I could go back, if I could redeem that time, one of the things on my heart is if I could just show my wife what true love is now. I would imagine that most evangelical Christians can quote Romans 3.23. Here Paul said that the wages of sin is death. And yet men stay for years in sexual sin, paying out those wages in a corrupt mind, broken relationships, loss of work, divorce, estrangement from family, and of course, separation from God. Listen to Steve Gallagher as he teaches us that sexual sin comes with a price. I think I'll open this segment by reading a portion of Romans 6 out of the New Living Translation. Listen to this. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, that whole passage is powerful and full of faith. But it's the phrase in the last sentence that I want to zero in on. Paul said, 
that the wages of sin is death. And if you've given yourself over to pornography and sexual sin, I don't need to convince you of the truth of that statement. I'm just hoping to bring a little more clarity to it here if I can. Let's begin with wages. What exactly are they? A wage is simply the monetary reimbursement a person receives for work he's done over the course of some period of time. Now it goes without saying that when Paul mentions death, he's referring to spiritual death. And spiritual death isn't something that occurs all at once. It is a gradual process that occurs in a person's soul who is involved in ongoing sin. Of course, we're all grateful that we weren't struck down the first time we gave over. But the very fact that God's judgment isn't quick and severe is part of the danger of it. Rather, the practice of sin brings with it death in small doses. With each indulgence comes a little more spiritual death into a person's soul, a reduction of the spiritual life he needs to make it in this lust-filled world. That's the payment deposited on his account he can expect every time he gives over to his pet sin. So let's look at some of the specific wages of death that sin brings with it. The first wage I'll mention is corruption. In 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul referred to the mystery of iniquity. Practicing sin sets off a mysterious operation that goes to work on a person's heart and soul. It is like a virus that works its way into the deepest recesses of the person, corrupting everything it touches. This contaminating agent quietly, gradually, and unrelentingly alters his soul into something misshapen, bent, as C.S. Lewis once called it. Secondly, sin drives a person into a frustrating life of dissatisfaction, always lusting for some elusive fantasy that disappears right when he thinks he's achieved it. Every time he thinks he's about to enjoy some tremendous degree of satisfaction over some sexual experience, it vaporizes and disappears. He's left with nothing but the emptiness that sin always brings. As frustrating as that is, the lust for sin becomes so powerful that it keeps the person in a constant state of agitation for more. No sooner is he done with one empty fantasy than he's already chasing the next one. More frustration, more misery. Another aspect of sin is how self-centered it makes a person. The more a person indulges himself, the more selfish he will become. Again, this is a process that occurs over a period of time. Little by little, his self-life grows and dominates his thinking. Before long, the prevailing thought in his life becomes, what's in it for me? Decisions made throughout the course of any given day go through that filter. The person's gifts, intellect, wit, friendliness, leadership, memory, etc., are all used to exalt his ego and please his self-life. And we all need to constantly be reminded that selfishness is the very antithesis of true Christianity. Sin also deadens the conscience. One of the wages that are earned by giving over to ongoing sin is the gradual loss of the ability to discern truth. 
This spiritual phenomenon is eloquently expressed by three men of God from the past. Billy Graham said, the most devastating effect of sin is that by it, we are blinded to it. Oswald Chambers said, sin enough and you will soon be unconscious of sin. And Charles Spurgeon said, you can sin yourself into an utter deadness of conscience and that is the first wage of your sin. God gave man a conscience as an inward monitor of the rightness and wrongness of his actions. But over a period of time, as unrepentant sin continues, every new act of sin stifles the voice of conscience a little bit more. It is becoming seared and losing its ability to operate as the moral guardian of the soul. In fact, a person cannot persist in habitual sin without hardening his heart. Over time, his perspectives become altered, imperceptibly at first, but a definite change begins to take place within him. Before he is aware of what has happened to him, right is seen as wrong, wisdom as foolishness, and good as evil. As the heart becomes hardened, it creates within the person a presumptuous attitude toward the Lord. Professing Christians living in willful sin hold to the belief that they can turn to the Lord whenever they're ready. They also insist that because they profess Christ, they can sin without facing any kind of judgment. What they don't realize is that the deeper they go into sin, the stronger the delusion and the more presumptuous they become. The fear of God, the very thing so greatly needed, is far, far away from this person's thinking. Yet another consequence of sin is the misery it brings. Solomon said the way of the transgressor is hard. Things just always seem to go wrong for the person in rebellion to God. And the longer the practice of sin goes on, the worse become the consequences. Someone said, sin is hell and death and misery to the soul. Avoid sin, therefore, as you would avoid being miserable. The last effect I'll mention is the worst. It separates the person from God. The fountain is stopped up. The flow of life is shut off. The presence of God is withdrawn. Every step the prodigal takes towards the far country takes him one step further away from the godly atmosphere of the Father's house. As he continues to move away from that spiritual atmosphere, his perceptions change, his values change, his desires change, his thinking changes. Every step is transforming him into a different person. In closing, I need to mention one more aspect of sin. When a person commits some sinful act, he tends to forget all about it. He may think he's done with it, but I can tell you that it isn't done with him. There is within our being a recording mechanism that perfectly stores the memory of everything we have ever thought, said, or done. It's like a flight recorder that will be presented to God on Judgment Day. I recently heard the story of a man who was undergoing brain surgery and was actually kept awake during the procedure. The surgeons were trying to figure out which parts of the man's brain performed different functions. So they would press on one part and ask him what he experienced and so on. 
As they went through this procedure, they started manipulating the part of his brain that stores memories. As they did this, long lost memories came to mind so vividly that he felt as if he were reliving them right there on the spot. This story reinforces the truth of what I am saying, that just because a guy forgets something he has done in the past doesn't mean the memory of it and the effects of it aren't still lodged within him. But even more important than that is the fact that it is being recorded in heaven. And if it isn't repented of, the wages of it will be exacted on his eternal soul. This reality was one of the things that brought me into the fear of the Lord and helped me get serious about repentance. God has given us the choice to give over to sexual sin, but be sure your sin will find you out. Jeremiah Aiken is a biblical counselor here at Pure Life. He works with men every day, and with the aid of the scripture, walks them out of bondage to sexual sin and into ever-increasing freedom and a walk with God. Like all our counselors, he came here as a student with his own problem with sin, and God set him free. I asked Jeremiah to tell me about the cost of sin as he has seen it in the lives of his students. But what I got was a testimony of his own experience of spiritual, relational, financial, and emotional loss. He also gives testimony to the restoring power of God in the life of a man who repents and returns. Jeremiah, you are a biblical counselor in our residential program, and that means at least two things. Like me, at some point, you were a student here in the residential program, and you and I came here with a sexual sin problem of our own, and God set you free. But second, you spend your days counseling men with the Word of God and you have the opportunity to watch and pray as the Holy Spirit does a supernatural work of setting these men free. I asked you here today to talk to you about the high price of sexual sin and the fact that sin takes you farther than you intended to go, keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, and costs you far more than you can afford to pay. Now, how have you seen that truth, that fact, played out in the lives of your men or perhaps even in your own life? Well, uh, it's a, that's a great question, and I loved your your beginning quote there, sin takes you further, keeps you longer, and costs far, far more. Mm -hmm. um, and sin always costs. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with pornography that's so deceptive, that was deceptive in my life. When you view pornography, every time you're viewing pornography, every time you're lusting, it's costing you. Yeah. Okay, you're, you're depositing money into a bank account, okay, that you don't see. And so from probably age 11 to 30, I was depositing money into a bank account through viewing pornography, through lust, through masturbation. Um, but at the beginning stages of that, it was primarily masturbation, and looking at central images from mm -hmm. probably to the age 30, that's what it was. And, and my thinking 
I wasn't paying that much. Okay. I didn't understand the nature of sin. I didn't understand the nature of evil. And I didn't understand that I was depositing something and that I was changing every time I sinned. When I hit age 30, what I thought was just a small problem in my life, it grew tenfold into not just viewing sensual images, not just giving over to masturbation, but now I want to hook up with women. Now I want to find a prostitute. What became something that I did once or twice a week consumed me every day. And so that is the nature of sin. That is what pornography will do to a man. And, you know, as as you said at the beginning, it, it costs you far more than what you're willing to pay. It cost me my church. I was removed from my church. It cost me my business. It cost me my rental property. It cost me my friends and family. How about that? It cost me everything. Mm-hmm. Isn't it ironic that men think porn is free? I don't have to pay for it. There's plenty available on the Internet that I can look at. It doesn't cost me a dime. Well, at first, it doesn't cost financially. But we don't measure the cost in our thinking, in our relationship with God, in what it's doing to our soul. And eventually, if it costs you your marriage and your home, it costs a tremendous amount financially. Mm -hmm. That's right. So true. Well, sin takes you farther than you intended to go. It's a physiological fact that during fantasy and self-gratification, which is why men look at porn, dopamine is released in the brain. Men get addicted to the dopamine high. That's the pleasure hormone. But in order to produce the pleasure release, the mind seeks for more. And more for the addict usually means longer in duration or different in content. And so he looks at porn longer or he looks for different or more intriguing kinds of fantasies. And that leads him farther and farther downward into more and more bizarre things. Now, how have you seen that played out in the lives of your counselees? Okay, again, I love your question, Jim. And just with what you're saying with the dopamine, how you need a greater high, okay? How you, how you constantly need something greater. You experience it one time, but now I got to go a little further. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. And I want to bring in the other aspect of it, just with the evil that's behind that and how you have both the physio- physiological aspect but then the spiritual aspect of evil wanting to funnel you into greater forms of wickedness and evil. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use two examples that are (laughs) (laughs) no-nos. (laughs) No-nos. That's that's the only word that's coming to mind. But uh, bestiality and child pornography. Yeah. Um, Because those are things I've never heard someone say when I grow up, I want to, with either one of those. I want to become a child pornographer universally recognized as evil. There's very few that would say, well, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And that's, but people are getting there Mm -hmm. in vast numbers now. How is that happening? And just as you mentioned with a dopamine effect, that's part of it. And then with, when you couple that with the aspect of evil, okay, with bestiality, that is a twisting and a deforming. Okay. That's the word transgression in our Bible. Right. Okay. Of twisting and evil. And that's what happens as you begin to view pornography, you get more twisted. You don't start with bestiality. Right. As you get into pornography, you, you're given over the keys. Okay, you think you're in the driver's seat, 
but you're not. And one day, evil takes those keys, and you don't know when that day is. I didn't know. If someone would have told me when I hit age 30 that I was going to do the things that I was doing, there is no, I would have run from viewing women. Because mostly for me, I would see women and I'd fantasize in my mind. Mm-hmm. That was a majority of it. Right. I should have run like the, uh, my house was on fire when I was doing that, but I had no idea where it was leading right. me. Right. So that's one aspect. The other one, child pornography, evil wants to go after more innocence. It will go after what is innocent. Mm-hmm. And when you get into pornography, it will funnel you towards what is more wickedness, more forms of evil. And, you know, obviously with when it involves children, okay, that is a greater level of evil, greater level of wickedness. And that is where it wants to push you. When you get into pornography, you're giving up the keys. And you won't say that's you, – you'll say, I'll never get there. But you can't say that. That's right. Okay? You can't say that in truth, that you'll never get there because you're giving the keys away. It is the testimony of nearly every man that you and I have ever counseled. I never knew I would end up here. So true, Jim. So true. Well, there are men who look at porn and they never act out in any other way. That's all they ever do. But in your experience, will a man often who becomes addicted to porn eventually find some other way of acting out? Yes, 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 <laughs> <Okay>. yes, yes. <laughs> a man view, viewing pornography has to understand that it's only a matter of time before he will begin acting out his fantasies mm-hmm. with more twisted forms of sexual sin. Yeah. It's, it's only a matter of time. time. It's only a matter of time. So, I mean, that's just, it's a given. Just reading a scripture, Romans six sixteen. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience— you are slaves of the one whom you obey. So you're giving yourself to that, okay? And we are a slave to whatever controls us. That's a powerful passage of Scripture. You give yourself over to this master, and he now controls you. That's right. Yeah. We're talking about this, but I just want you to, to, to really address this particular thing in specifics. Okay. A man is reading his email. Okay. He gets an unsolicited email in his inbox. He knows what it is. It's a link to a pornographic site. He knows if he clicks on that link, he's going to be taken somewhere that he's never been before, but he's tempted. And somewhere in his mind he says, well, what harm will it do? I'll just see what's there. He doesn't know what road he's turning down. Now, what is the high cost of sin? If he goes there and he gets into sin and he stays in sin long enough, what is he bound to lose? Everything. I mean, everything. Literally everything. And, uh, you know, I, I love that scenario because what, what's missing in that man's life is the presence of the Lord. Yeah. That is the only thing that can keep you from just stumbling down that pathway. There is nothing else. There is no other bridge. There's nothing else that will keep you from going down that pathway because where the battle has to happen is at the email. Mm. Okay, there has to be a fight. A, um, there has to be a fight in a man at the thought level. And this is where we lose as men Yeah, all the time. And it's just like we're trying to fight I shouldn't be calling this girl anymore. 
Are you serious? I mean, this is a married man saying I shouldn't be I shouldn't be having these affairs anymore. No, you lost the battle years ago. You gave up the keys to your mind, to your thought life. If you're not fighting there, okay, once you give up that thought life, you're giving up the keys, you 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 click on that email. Okay, you have just opened up your mind to something that's just changed who you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, because every time you view porn, your mind is changing. Just as you said with that dopamine, there's there's an addiction happening. There is something forming in your mind. Your thinking is changing. Okay, and it's just it's just the next step. Take the next step. You click on it. You think about those images enough, you will act them out. That's right. Okay. Then it just that spiral just continues and just continues and just continues. And it's only God's mercy that stops us. Mm -hmm. Nobody who clicks on a pornographic website is thinking, someday this is going to cost me my marriage. Someday this is going to cost me my job. Someday this is going to cost me my sanity. Someday this is going to cost me my life. Someday this is going to cost me my eternity. Deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to tell you the truth. It's going to present the lollipop. It's going to present the candy bar. A picture I use for my guys a lot of times mm-hmm. is, a, is a drug dealer. He is nice to you when you're buying his product, but only as long as you're on his product. He will stick a knife in your back when he doesn't need you anymore. Right. And that's sin. That's what sin is. It's offering you something. Okay, but the wages of sin is death. All that sin can offer you is death. <laughs> and that's that's pornography. Yes. That's sexual sin. It's death. It's death packaged in a beautiful box. Mm. Uh, All right. On the other side of the downward spiral of degradation, when a man begins to come out of it, when he comes to the Lord, when he sincerely repents, he seeks and finds the forgiveness of God. His spiritual relationship with the Lord is restored. He is the prodigal come home. But are there not still lingering issues with which he must deal long after he receives the forgiveness of God? Yeah, again, Jim, uh, good question, and it's so important for individuals to recognize that there is a price to sin, just Mm. as we opened up with. um, Sin takes you further, keeps you longer, costs far more. That's a reality. Okay, sin costs, and you don't get it back. Sin, it's death. The wages of sin is death. Death is death. It dies. Okay, there was things in my life that died due to the impact of sin. There's relationships that have never been restored Mm -hmm. to this day because I said I was something that I wasn't. And the the damage was such that to this day, that has not been reconciled. Why? There is a process that individuals have to go through because of what I've done to them. Yeah. Forgiveness, yes, I've received forgiveness from the Lord. I didn't get my rental property back. I didn't get my, uh, didn't go back to my church. I was uprooted and planted somewhere else. I had done too much damage. Those were the consequences. Yeah. To being a liar, being a deceiver, being a manipulator. Okay, I hurt people. It was better <laughs> that I go away. The Lord did a great work in my life, and I wouldn't trade everything that I lost. I wouldn't trade what the Lord has done in my life now 
to have everything back. Right. Okay. Because the Lord has done so much in my life, but it, I am still grieved, and there are still consequences to what I did that have continued, and that is the the price of sin. That's why the Bible says, "Don't sin." <laughs> Do not sin. It will cost you more than you can pay every time. Well, you've been remarkably transparent. You've shared your own heart, your own story, and I appreciate that. And uh, I think you've really given us some insight into the high price of sin. Sin comes with a very high price. So thanks for coming in today. God bless you. Thanks, Jim. I suppose that this promise from Scripture is not unfamiliar to many Christians. God said through the prophet Joel, So I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, my great army, which I set among you. The promise is that God has the ability and the willingness to restore to a man everything that he has lost in a recent natural disaster. But notice that it was God who caused the loss in the first place. God sent the swarm of locusts on Israel as a judgment on their sin. The swarm that caused the devastation the Lord called his great army. There's a reason why sexual sin has such a high price. All sin costs. And sexual sin is particularly expensive because sex is holy to God and it is permitted only after sacred vows and because in sexual sin so often innocent people are hurt and devastated. We are warned about it repeatedly in Scripture and yet we run after it anyway. And so God has attached a high price tag to get our attention and cause us to repent. It really does cost more than you can afford to pay. If you need help getting free, find us on the web and get in touch. We're at purelifeministries.org. We're here to help. That's all for today. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.